Welcome to the Citizens Youth Sermon Podcast. We are a ministry of Northwest Gospel Church and a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus. We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more, visit nwgospel.com slash citizens. All right, all right. Hello, citizens. How are we doing tonight? Hello. How are we feeling? Open up your Bible to Psalm 34. We're continuing on in our series called Invitation. Uh, We've got two more weeks left. Last week we learned um, that the Lord is near. Um, We're going to learn that again tonight. Um, The psalmist said, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Lord's goodness is something that you can actually experience, something that you can know, something that is a tangible reality in your life if you know Jesus Christ. Now, uh, today we're going to talk about weakness. And how many of you in the room would declare at one point in time you felt weak? Yeah, let's get those hands up. Physically weak? Some boys are like, no, never, bro. I've been strong since I was born. Physically weak? Uh, how about emotionally weak, right? Finals, did they happen? Or are they happening right now? Oh, they happened. So like mentally weak, how, how like tough are we feeling, high schoolers? That was, that was tough, right? All right, uh, what about spiritually weak? You ever felt spiritually weak? What about mentally? Mentally weak, right? Emotionally Let me tell you about a time I was weak, and I should have admitted that I was weak before I tried to pretend I was strong. So this happened probably a few years ago, and um, I was with some friends, and they wanted to go to the gym. You know, it was probably around January, and so it was probably around the time where everyone was, like, pretending that they were going to be fit for a year. Now that we're in February, we'll finally, like, all pretend. That's not pretending. But this was, like, early January, and, like, nothing else was going on, and me and my friends were like, dude, let's go to the gym. Right? So we get out, you know, we get... um, like memberships. We go to like the nicest gym for some reason. We were like, if we go to an expensive gym, we'll go more because we were like paying more for it. I don't know what I was thinking, but anyway, this happened. And so uh, my friends at the time, they were significantly older. uh, Let's just say a little bit more athletic than me. All right. Hey, no jokes, please. No whispering jokes, but uh, a little bit more athletic than me. But I was trying to keep up with these guys, right? And um, we were kind of like working out a little bit together and they're like, all right, dude, let's go to the bench press. I'm like, yeah, totally, because I've totally done that before. And I will totally do exactly whatever you guys tell me to do. And the guy, like, the guy that I was with um, was a pro state wrestler for years. And I was just like, we're about the same build. And in my mind... I was like, we're probably around the same like strength level. Like we're probably around the same level of strength. This was not the case. This guy's 10 years older than me, pro state wrestler for years back in high school and college and a little bit beyond that. And um, I got to the point where it's my turn the bench. Now, I had never done this before. I, in this moment, can confess, I was very weak physically at the time and maybe a little bit still till this very day. But... My friend does his set, and he's like, all right, bro, your turn. And he's like, do you want me to set a certain way for you? I'm like, no, I'll just do what you did. You see where this is going. I, I was like, yeah, you, you guys should probably spot me. I'm probably a little rusty. I had never done this before. I was totally lying. I was just trying to get through it, right? I was just trying to make myself look strong. And if you know one thing about lifting weights or about anything that you do in public, you can't really hide for much longer. 
You can't hide for very long how weak or how strong you are. So I get on this bench press. I don't remember the weight, but as soon as it went off the bar, I had no problem getting it down. And I was like, this is great. And then I stayed about here for what felt like two and a half years of my life, where I was just like, and I remember just like looking up at them and they're like, you good, bro? And I was like, yeah, totally. And I remember like trying my hardest, like everything within me to just push this bar a little higher. But here I was. And I was just kind of like stiff a little bit. And they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, no. And I just like make all these awkward sounds. And then at some point, I just kind of look and I give like the look. I'm like, yeah, 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 bro. Again, this all happened probably in a split second, but I was totally embarrassed. I couldn't even begin like if they weren't there, it would have been like I would have been there all night just kind of chilling by myself, right? I was weak and I didn't admit that I was weak. I wanted to pretend like I was strong, but you can't hide when you're weak. You know, many times in life, there's going to be hopefully moments like that where you recognize maybe you're not as strong as you thought. Maybe you're going to need some help. Um, but being weak is actually a good thing. Being weak is actually a really good thing. When we look throughout the scriptures, it constantly shows us that those who are humble, those who are weak, those who recognize their weakness, not physical but spiritual, of course, uh, the poor in spirit are the ones who are going to inherit the kingdom of God. The brokenhearted are the people that God is near to. The needy are the people that God gravitates towards, but he opposes the proud. Being weak is a good thing when you have a strong God. Being weak is a fantastic thing when you trust in a God who is infinitely stronger and mightier than you. And in your weakness, he is strong. The psalmist David, like we've been talking about the past two weeks, week three now, is in a season of life where he has had to flee for his life from King Saul, and he's hiding in a cave. But he is rejoicing and experiencing the goodness of the Lord because he's kept his life. He has kept his life, but he is still weak in this moment. And the next few words we're going to read, I hope, encourage you tonight. In our weakness, God is strong. When we feel like we can't go any further, we feel like we don't have anything left inside of us, when we feel like we're at the end of our rope, spiritually, mentally, physically, whatever it may be, the Lord is near to those who are needy. Look at verse 15 with me. This is the word of the Lord. It says this, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their trouble. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. You do not have to pretend to be strong before the Lord. You don't have to pretend to have it all together before your community of faith. You don't have to be strong because the Lord is strong and he is near when you are crushed and you are broken. Let's pray real quickly. Lord, be with us as we dive into your word. I pray that you would be uh, speaking through your Holy Spirit and that you would guide us and direct us to a deeper understanding of who you are. God, would you um, allow the words from my mouth to just be not my opinion, not my perspective, not my ideas, 
but would they be from your word? And would your Holy Spirit apply these truths to our lives? And would we, would we be different because of them? I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and the ears toward, and his ears towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. These first three verses show us this one truth, that the Lord runs to the righteous and opposes evil. The Lord runs to the righteous and opposes evil. Uh, God in his nature is good, completely. We see that throughout scripture, uh, and we know that based on what God's word has to say. But God in his very nature is good, meaning completely good meaning anything that is evil is actually the opposite of God's nature, meaning God cannot have any evil inside of him or within him. Nothing that he does is, uh, is evil in any way. He doesn't do evil things to get good results. That's not him. He in and of himself is good. And here we see this played out. The eyes of the Lord are towards who? The righteous. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears are towards their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The Lord runs to the righteous but opposes the evil. Look at what it says here, the face of the Lord. All right, we've got a big word I want to tell you here. Here we have some anthropomorphic language. Everyone say it together, anthropomorphic. Okay, does anyone know what that means? No, anyone? This is when you take human characteristics and apply it to something that is not human. So God's not a human, all right? God is God. He's spirit. John, the, the, the John says that. The epistles of John say that very thing. The letters of John say that. Uh, God is spirit. And so look at what it says here. The eyes of the Lord, pay attention with me. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears are towards their cry. The face of the Lord. What is the psalmist doing? The psalmist is ascribing the Lord almost as a person so we can better understand it. All right, the Lord isn't, doesn't have a face, right? Doesn't have ears. But the Lord can hear. The Lord knows. The Lord sees. To turn your face away, specifically for the Lord to turn his face away, means that the blessings of the Lord are away from you. That's why in Numbers it says, may the Lord shine upon you. May he turn his face towards you. What this means is when the Lord's face is towards you, the Lord is blessing you. And when the Lord's face is away from you, he's not blessing you. Who does he not bless? Those who do evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil. To cut off the memory of them from the earth. God is totally dealing with evildoers here. Not just to get rid of the evil things they're doing, but to get rid of the memory of every evil thing that they've ever done. You see, God is good. Which means in his very nature, he can't dwell with sin. He's not mostly good. He's not like 99.9% .9 good. He's the definition of good and holy. And our understanding of what good is, is, is what God is. All of his attributes, all of his, his ways, all of his words, they are good. But if you've been around people for more than five seconds, if you've lived with maybe little brothers or sisters or cousins or friends, uh, you know that we're a bunch of sinners. All right, you've ever had someone let you down? You've ever said something come out of your mouth and you're like, why did I say that? I can't believe I just did this thing, right? We do not share the goodness of God. So 
So what does it mean when it says the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry? The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. It means that the Lord blesses the righteous and the Lord will deal with evildoers who oppose everything that he is doing. At the end of all things, we see this towards the end of Revelation. The Lord has a plan to deal with sickness, sin, and death. And every tear that's been wiped, every, every tear that has existed, that we've cried, every tear from sin, every tear from pain and death will be wiped away forever. The Lord will deal with all that. I like this. This is foreshadowing to cut off the memory of them from the earth. In eternity, in eternity, the Lord will completely deal with evil and sin and death. It will no longer exist. The memory of these things will be wiped away. But the Lord is good. The righteous will receive blessings from the Lord and those who do evil will receive the judgment of the Lord. Of course, the psalmist is giving human characteristics to God here so we can help understand him. Now, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves when we read this. We see two opposing forces, the righteous and those who do evil, two people here. We have to ask ourselves, who, who's the righteous? Who's the righteous in this situation? And who are those who do evil? Now, of course, King David in this moment is thinking of all the enemies of the people of God. He's thinking probably of King Saul, who's tried to murder him. He's probably thinking all these people in his mind. It's easy for us to do the same. Well, of course, those who do evil are, and then fill in the blanks. Someone in my class or someone I saw on social media or people who are doing X, Y, or Z. It's easy to easily rope yourself into the righteous tribe. And those who are doing evil, they're over there and God's going to deal with them. But who's the righteous? Who's the evil? You see, Romans has some interesting things to say about this. Romans chapter 3, this should be on the screen as well. Romans chapter 3, verses uh, 9 through 12. It says this, and this is Paul speaking, and he's, uh, of course, he's going throughout the history of justification and the righteous, and he says this in verse then. What then? Is it on the screen? Okay, here we go. What then? Are we Jews any better off? Paul's, of course, Jewish here, and he's speaking to a group of Jewish people. No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks. So he's uh, taking a race or ethnicity out of the picture here, and he's saying, who's better off? Um, Actually, no one. Look at what it says. For all are under sin, as it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Yikes. That's a pretty bad grade on a report card, right? If you're like shooting for like a B plus or C and you get back a zero out of 100, you're like, well, dang, I didn't think I was that bad, huh? Who is righteous? See, the reality is all evildoers can be made righteous through true repentance. Everyone who does evil in this room, which would be all of us, have the opportunity to be made righteous. You have the opportunity to be righteous, not because of what you've done, 
not because of the things that you've said, not because of the lack of bad things that you've participated in. You can be righteous through a relationship with the only person who was ever completely righteous, Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 3, verses 21 through 25. This is a few verses down from what we just read. This is what Paul says, but this is good news, all right? We're reading this, we're like, yikes. This is a bit of a tone shift, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is Jesus Christ. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears are towards their cry. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears them and the Lord will deliver them from all of their troubles. Because Jesus suffered on our behalf, God can be near to us. Because we have faith in Christ, the Lord hears our cry. The Lord knows what we're going through and the Lord is willing and ready to rescue you. In this moment, when you are weak, understand the righteousness of Christ and understand that your relationship with him now gives you access to an eternal God who can help save you from what? All of your cries, all of your troubles, all who need help. The righteousness of Christ allows us to enter into a relationship with God. Not your righteousness, not my righteousness, not the righteousness of a priest or someone else who gives you atonement. No, only from Christ. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them from all of their troubles. So if you're in the room and you know Jesus Christ, you're God's kid. God loves you. He is there for you. And he sees the righteousness of Jesus in your place. That's something to celebrate. And because that's true, every single moment you're weak, you could turn to God. Every single moment where you have troubles, you can run to the Lord. How often are we willing to share our struggles with other people before we've even prayed about it to God? How often are you in your life, I'll share this with small group, but when I'm alone, when I'm by myself, I'm just gonna keep this to myself. God's eyes are looking towards you. God's eyes can look towards you because of your relationship with Jesus. The Lord hears your cry. All right, God's not, there's no, this pain is not wasted. The pain that you're feeling or have felt, it's not wasted in God's eyes. It doesn't need to be dealt with, swept under the rug, hidden from the Lord. He already knows and you can run to him and embrace him in faith. The Lord, the Lord runs to the righteous, but he opposes those who do evil. The Lord is rushing to your side to help you, to be your defender, to be your king, to be your savior if you would turn to him, if you would cry to him if you would trust him to deliver you from your troubles. You see, the reality is no one can truly deliver themselves from any of their troubles. You can distract yourself. You can pretend like your troubles don't exist. 
You could sweep it under the rug, but nobody can save you from your troubles. Nobody can rescue you from your troubles. There's a million ways to distract yourself. Social media, drinking, drugs, sex, whatever it is. There's a million ways to distract yourself. You can even distract yourself with church things. You can distract yourself by coming, but are you crying to the Lord? What does this require? This requires humility. As we've been reading these past two weeks, the psalmist David, he's in a lowly position here. He is in a humble and reverent position before the Lord. And when you're in that spot, you can cry to him. Crying is a very vulnerable thing, right? If you've ever been in a conversation with somebody and they bring up something emotional and you like feel like it's about to come on, like you're like, ah, I don't want to cry. I don't feel like this. I don't want to do this right now. The Lord is near. He's willing. He's ready to listen. The Lord will deal with sin and evil. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. This is the, tol- this is the totality of God dealing with sin and death forever. This is just the supreme example of how God will rescue and redeem all things in his time. Colossians 1 says to reconcile all things to himself. And that means to permanently kick out sin and death and evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. This is intense language. You don't have to be in the tribe of evildoers. You can be in the tribe of the righteous. If you would turn to him, he'll deliver you from your troubles. He'll deliver you from your pain. Jesus had God turn his face from him on the cross so that we can have our faces turned towards. Jesus suffered the death of a sinner on our behalf. Jesus was treated as an evildoer when he was the only righteous one. And because that's true, you and I get to turn to him and experience the eyes of the Lord being towards us, the ears of the Lord, right, being, hearing our cry, and the face of the Lord shining upon us and blessing us. You have access to that. Verse 18, short verse, but man, if there's ever something that you need to run to, if there's ever an anchor for your soul that you need in your life that is just storms ablaze around you. Look at verse 18. It says, the Lord is near to the broken hearted and saves the crushed in spirit. That's a mic drop moment. The Lord is near to the broken hearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. The Lord helps the broken. The Lord helps the broken. It's interesting when you read through the gospels, the people who had their lives together, the people who had everything that they needed on this earth, the people who were looked towards as the righteous and the uh, proud and the rulers and the uh, kings and queens of the age or the successful, uh, Jesus didn't quite get along with them, but those who were weak, those who cried out to the Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. Those are the ones that got healed. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. Jesus is near to you. Now, we just saw these cringy videos where people got their hearts stomped on in front of hundreds of people. Hopefully, that never happens to you. Gentlemen, maybe talk about if you want to get married or not before you propose in front of a million people. That's a pro tip. That's not part of the sermon. That's just for free. Um, But the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, right? People are going to let you down. People are going to let you down even people you can trust, even people who are uh, worthy of trust, even people who have good intentions, they're going to let you down. 
when you put all your faith and hope and trust in people, you're gonna experience some heartbreak. And now, this is natural. This doesn't mean hide yourself from the world. It doesn't mean like hermit yourself from society. People are gonna hurt you. You're gonna be let down. Sin is gonna find its way. The consequences of sin are gonna find its way at some point in your life to break your heart. But God is near. God is near to the brokenhearted and the crushed in spirit. He saves the crushed in spirit. People will hurt you. People will let you down. You're going to let yourself down. You're going to let other people's down. But the Lord is going to be near at all times, near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. People who recognize their brokenness are going to find true healing. People who recognize their need for God, God will rush towards them. People who recognize that they don't have anything in them that is righteous will receive the righteousness of God. This is the upside down kingdom of God. And this is who God is calling to, the humble and those who are crushed and broken in spirit. And so if that's you in the room tonight, even if you're already Christian, please listen and know that the Lord is near to you. Don't hide your face from him, right? Don't reject him. Don't turn away from the community of faith. Don't reject leaders who are trying to share these truths with you when you're hurt, when you're broken. The Lord is near. You ever go through, maybe it was a breakup. Maybe it was the passing of a loved one. Maybe it was something more intense or maybe it was something even more difficult. Think about that in your mind. And what was it like to have a leader, a small group leader, a friend, a parent, be physically there with you, to put their arm around you, to hug you, to embrace you, say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this. To just be near to somebody in moments like that are so powerful. But what happens when the Lord is near? The Lord is near to you when your heart is broken. The Lord is near to you when you're crushed in spirit. The Lord is near to you. You're not alone. You're not alone and you're loved. You're not alone and you are loved. No matter what it is, and I encourage you, share it with your friends or family or the people of faith, the community of faith that we have here. You are not alone. No sin is too messy that the Lord can't forgive you from. No situation is too irreversible that the Lord can't work on it and fix it. No amount of depression or anxiety can separate you from the love of God, but turn to him with your broken heart. The Lord is near when you are weak, when you are crushed in spirit. To those around you who are looking for strength and they're going all the wrong places, be an example of being strengthened by the Lord. There's this verse in 2 Corinthians. This is our final verse. I'm going to read for us, and then we're going to sing again. This is in 2 Corinthians. This is one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament, I feel like, where Paul is pleading with the Lord. He's uh, been through uh, quite a few things, all right? He's been, quite, he, he's been through the ringer, and he's crushed. And he has something. We don't quite know what it is. He calls it a thorn in his side. It could have been physical. It could have been referring to something else. And this is Paul, and he's pleading towards God to take away this pain, to take away the suffering that he feels, to take away his broken heart, to take away his crushed spirit. But this is what God says to Paul. 
In verse nine of this passage we're gonna read, it's gonna be on the screen. He said, but to me, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power, this is God talking, my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. If you feel like you don't have anything else in you, and maybe this isn't where you're at right now, but maybe it's where you will be one day. The Lord is near. He can redeem you. And in your weakness, he is strong. When we're weak, God is strong. One of the most humble things you could ever say is, God, I can't do this. God, I can't do this. God, I need help. The eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. His ears are towards their cry. God, I'm, I can't do this. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord will hear them and he will deliver them out of their troubles. God, I don't know. I'm wrestling with my faith. I'm wrestling with anxiety. I need your help. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves the crushed in spirit. When we are weak, God is strong. When we call out to him, he answers. When we are in need of his help, he will deliver. So citizens, look at me tonight as I share this final thing. Listen to these words. Listen to these words. Know in your heart that you'll never be alone. You'll never have to be alone. You'll never walk alone again. If you turn to the Lord and embrace him in faith, you are loved and you're not alone. Those are truths that will change your life if you believe them. So why don't we close our eyes. God, I pray for people in this moment, for students. Thank you for these powerful verses. God, thank you that you're near to me when I, my heart's broken. God, thanks for holding up the weight when I feel like I'm being crushed. God, there's so many things that young people go through that maybe we don't see, maybe adults don't see, or maybe teachers don't see, but God, you see. You know what they're walking through. You know what they're feeling. You know what they're experiencing. I pray that they would give these fears and anxieties to you. God, we know you're near to the brokenhearted, so if there's someone in the room tonight who has a broken heart, would you draw near to them? Would they turn and know and embrace you? God, for those who are crushed in spirit, as the text says, just apathetic because life has just been a whirlwind and they just feel like a zombie some days walking to school, walking out of school, walking in the work, walking out of work, and they're just, they don't have anything left in, in their tank. Would you save them? Would you save them? God, that word salvation, that word save, we know that you are alone, are the only one who can save. Jesus is the only one who can save. And so I pray that in this moment, in this space, if there's somebody who is maybe recognizing that they don't, they don't have faith in you yet, would you heal them? Would you call out to them? Would they listen and respond in faith tonight? We're thankful for the time we get to spend here, Lord. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen.